This morning, I want to keep your attention focused for just a few minutes on the question that David asked. Is the young man safe? As you begin to think about safety, I want to think with you for a few moments about searching for safety. It appears as if the world in which you and I live is just filled with danger at almost every occasion. If you start thinking about the kind of dangers that you and I are in, and I don't want to depress you, but I do want to grab your attention, if you will, you think with me for a moment about the kind of viruses that are circulating, some which are extremely dangerous. It wasn't but just a few months ago that the Ebola virus not only left the African continent but came to our continent. And I don't know about you, but I was somewhat concerned. I want to remain safe. I don't want to be exposed to something like that. In the news, the last week or two has been the measles outbreak that took place in Disneyland in California, which has now spread to several other states. And there's some concern, will our young people be at risk? You may not know that it's not been too many years ago when measles took the lives of thousands of young people. Some of you have experienced the flu, and in doing so, some of you have been sick for several weeks, maybe now only able to attend. There's some things that you and I try to do to remain safe. Just a few moments ago, I saw several of you sniffling as you came in, and I went to the little uh, machine that gives out the hand sanitizer, and uh, I wanted to be able to prevent getting that kind of disease. But you think about some natural dangers. I grew up in a part of the country known as Tornado Alley. It seemed as if every weekend during the spring, we went to the storm cellar. First year when Coretta and I got married, I told her, I said, tornadoes are bad here. Blew the roof off of our house the first year that we were married. But you think about that and hurricanes, tsunamis, floods. There's all kinds of natural disasters and if you listen carefully to the weather forecasters, they'll say you need to go to your safe place. Yes, there are things that you and I can do to try to limit our liability, limit our exposure, and to try to find a place. You may want to go to a storm cellar or a basement in the case of a tornado. If you're in the pathway of a hurricane or a tsunami, the best thing to do is run. Get out of the way. But you see, there's some other dangers that you and I face, and they're man-made. Car accidents. People sometimes are not careful in their driving, and they cross over into the oncoming traffic. Or they may pull out in front of someone else, and people lose their lives. Sister Pat Gauger a few weeks ago was involved in a car accident, and she was driving a car that was safer than some of the others, and I know she appreciates that. There are things that you and I can do to protect ourselves, to be more safe. There are things like workplace injuries that take place, and uh, there are rules and regulations to protect us and to make us safe. And then there are intentional 
injuries and killings, things like wars. And if you want to be safe, you don't go into a place where you know that you might put your life in danger. And even if you are called like a soldier might be, you want to wear the armor to be able to protect yourself. Now the purpose for my bringing all this up is not to make you a hypochondriac. It's not to make you think that something is going to happen to you today. But to point out to you, we seek safety. We look for it. We try to do things that limit our exposure to being hurt. And so what I want to talk to you about is seeking spiritual safety. Trying to find a place where you and I can be safe spiritually. Just like David was concerned for Absalom's safety. Is the young man safe? We want to know, are you safe spiritually? What we're going to do is look at two things in our lessons. Number one, biblical examples. As we approach God's Word, we want to look and see, are there some areas where we can see this illustrated? Well, sure there are. And then number two, we want to talk about some biblical admonitions. So let's take our Bibles out and let's begin, first of all, at looking how God provided some safe places for His people. And the first one we're going to begin with is the flood and talk about Noah and the ark. And if you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, the writer of the book of Hebrews, talking about those people of faith, comes to Noah and says... By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. We all know about Noah. We know about that big, huge boat, but it wasn't Noah's idea. God gave him the dimensions of it, gave him the floor plan of it. Here's how I want you to build it, Noah. And here is how you can save your house. Now, the reality is the destruction coming from the flood was necessary. If you go back to Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man. And he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. God's looking at this earth saw the wickedness and said, it's got to go. But when you go a little bit further to chapter 7 and verse 23, you read, He destroyed all the living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping things, and birds of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. You see, the safe place was in the ark. But you might think, well, the invitation was everyone can come on the ark, but the truth is only eight souls got on that ark. 
And when I go to Genesis 7 and verse 1, I realize how Noah got on. There was a condition, if you will. In Genesis 7 1, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You see, there was a safe place, but there was a a condition of admittance. He had to be a righteous man. When I go to Ezekiel 14 and verse 14, I learn that only righteous people deliver themselves. Noah couldn't even be righteous for his sons and his sons' wives. They, everyone had to be righteous for themselves. Even though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. I think there's a lesson to be found there. But rather than stopping, I'm going to continue on with some other examples. When you think about the Passover, do you remember the children of Israel? Jacob and his sons had gone to land of Egypt to settle there during a period of the famine. They settled in the land of Goshen, but after a number of years, there arose a Pharaoh, a king who did not know Joseph, didn't remember the goodness with which Joseph had delivered the people. And so he put them in servitude, slavery. They had to make bricks. And Moses was sent to Pharaoh to tell Pharaoh, the Lord said, let my people go. In Exodus 5 and verse 2, Pharaoh responded by saying, who is the Lord? I do not know the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And so the people cried out to God, and God provided for them a deliverer. But Pharaoh was still hard-hearted. He said, no, you can't go. And so what God did was to bring a series of ten plagues on the Egyptians to teach Pharaoh to know who is the Lord. And the last of those ten plagues was the death of the firstborn. If you'll read with me Exodus 12, verses 12 and 13. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike the firstborn from the, in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses and where you are. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you, and the plague will not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. The Passover was when the angel of the Lord passed over Egypt and he saw the blood that was placed on the doorpost and the lentils. You see, Egypt had to be taught a lesson, but God wanted to provide a safe place for his people. Chapter 12, verse 22, You shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, Strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. The safe place was in the house. What if you went to a home visiting that did not have the blood? Firstborn died. What if you went out of the house? You see, there was only one safe place. It was in a house 
that had the blood. And God's angel of the Lord would pass over. Let me carry you a little bit further. The children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They came to the Jordan River and they crossed over and sent spies into the city of Jericho. And while they sent spies into the city of Jericho, they came to the house of a prostitute by the name of Rahab. Rahab received the spies, that is, she took them in, and she sent them out another way and even provided deliverance for them. And when you come to Joshua chapter 2, verses 12 through 14 and 17 through 19, you'll find out because she was so helpful, she wanted them to take care of her family. And they said, we will. But you've got to do something. Notice with me what we find in verses 12 through 14. Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that I have, and deliver our lives from death. So the man answered her, Our lives for yours. If none of, you tell none of this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Verses 17 through 19. So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land that you bind a line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household into your own home, and so it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house and into the street, his blood be his own head. And we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in your house, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid upon him. There's only one safe place when Jericho's being destroyed, and that's the house of Rahab. And there's only one way for them to know that this is Rahab's house is if there is a scarlet cord attached to that rope. You see, there were conditions. If a person went out, There wasn't any guarantee of safety. The safety was only within the house with the scarlet cord. And so they had to meet those conditions to be met safe. Now as they settled the land, God designed cities of refuge. I thought it was interesting, Brother Dale's reading this morning addressed the refuge that God is for each of us. But a city of refuge was for accidental killings. Let's say two of us go out into the woods and we're going to chop down trees. As I'm chopping down a tree, I bring my axe back and the head of the axe comes off, strikes Brother Leonard in the head, kills him right there. In doing so, that's an accidental killing, not intentional But you see, there was provision made for the next of kin to be an avenger of blood. To take the life of one who had killed theirs. That was a part of their law. But God provided a safe place for accidental killings. We read in Numbers 35 verse 15, 
these six cities shall be for refuge for the children of Israel, for the stranger and for the one who sojourns among them, that if anyone kills a person accidentally, may flee there. Now someone say, oh, but there's all these people going to make it up in their minds. I'm going to tell them I killed them accidentally. You see, there was a judicial determination. You arrived at the city, you were permitted in, but once you came in, there had to be some sort of verification. They shall be in the city's refuge for you from the avenger. That manslayer may not die until he stands before the congregation in judgment. Verse 24, then the congregation shall judge between the manslayer and the avenger of blood according to these judgments. You see, you have to make sure it's real. But the person who accidentally killed someone was only safe in the city of refuge if he stayed in that safe place. What if he decides, well, I, I see some beautiful hunting territory out here, and I'm going to leave the city. Chapter 35, verses 26 through 28, it says, But if a manslayer at any time goes out of the limits of the city of refuge where he fled, and the avenger of blood finds him outside the city limits of the city of refuge, and the avenger of blood kills the manslayer, he shall not be guilty of blood, because he should have remained in the city of refuge. See, here's the problem. There's a safe place. You've got to stay there. If you don't stay there, you don't get the safety. Some of you are probably thinking ahead. You know where I'm going with this. Let's take the biblical admonitions now. You see, the truth is, people are spiritually in danger. They need a safe place. They need a place that they can go to and be saved. I want you to listen to the Apostle Peter. On the day of Pentecost, there are people recognizing there is a spiritual danger after the sermon that Peter has preached to them. And when you get to verse 40, it says, With many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. You need to realize what's happening to this world, what's going to take place. There is a place of safety that, to which you can go. In Revelation chapter 18, that book that pictures the great struggle between good and evil, particularly it related to the problems of those people in the first and second century who were going to be facing the challenges of the Roman government. But you have to see there's a lot of people who are looking and saying, is it really worth it to be a Christian? Do I really need to stay in this safe place? And here's what he says in chapter 18, verses 4 and 5. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. It's almost as if you draw a circle and God is saying, all the people that are wicked and unrighteous are going to be punished and if you, my people, want to be safe, you've got to come out. You've got to be different. There's a place of safety to which you and I need to go. 
And it is a house with blood on it. Oh, you're saying, a house with blood? When you go to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to behave yourself or conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. The house of God is a church. And when you get to Acts 20 and verse 28, he says to shepherd the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. The church is the house of God. The blood on that house is the blood of Christ because it purchased it. Do you start seeing a parallel develop now between the place of safety like during the Passover and the place of safety today? Once you are in that place of safety, you don't have to worry that something is going to blow it away. You know, sometimes personal illustrations, at least in your own mind, illustrate this very well. When I was a little boy, we used to go to the house of one of our good friends. My mother and daddy were close friends with a man who eventually became one of the elders of the congregation where I grew up. Brother James had dug a storm cellar. That's what we called it. And I never will forget one night that he had made a door to go down in it and it was made out of tin. I thought the wind was going to rip the door off and we were going to be sucked out of that storm cellar. The winds were blowing so hard. You know, sometimes people even go to places of safety and they wonder, are they capable of really keeping us safe? The Lord's church, you don't have to worry whether or not God can and will save his faithful ones. In Matthew 16, verse 18, we often use this verse for the first part of it. Also I say unto you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Satan in all of his power and all of his ability cannot prevail against the church. Hebrews 12 and verse 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Or look at the way Jesus put it in John 10, 27 through 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I will give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and my Father are one. You choose to serve God. You are faithful and righteous. There's no flood that can sink your ark. There's no danger of anything from the outside taking over. There's no one more powerful than God. In each case, one must go to a safe place. There's conditions for entering and there's conditions for remaining. For instance, 
When I go to Galatians 3, verses 26 through 28, Paul is speaking to those churches of Galatia about what they have done and what they accomplished. He said, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You see, what he's saying is, when you became a Christian, you put on Christ. As Paul would put it in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12, for one, by one body were we all baptized into one spirit. You see, we are part of that one body. Romans 8 and verse 1 says, There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You see, there's one and only one way to be safe. When those people were challenging Peter and John about healing a man at the gate called Beautiful, they were wanting to know by what power and by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? And their response was in Acts 4 verse 12, Nor is there salvation in any other. For there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. What Peter and John were saying is there's one, there's only one way for a person to be safe, to be saved, and that's in Jesus. Or, as Jesus himself said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes into the Father except through me. Now here's a problem. Many people realize, don't realize that they're in spiritual danger. And some others of us think the danger has passed. You know, a lot of people when danger approaches will say, Ah, it's not going to hit me. It's never going to come my way. And then it does. And going back to that illustration I used just a few moments ago about going to the storm cellar, I also remember vividly one night of us going to the storm cellar and the winds calming down and the lightning ceasing and us going back to the house and thinking, okay, the storm's over. Only to just a few minutes later, another storm blow up and even seemingly worse than the first. In the Hebrews chapter 3, beginning with verse 12, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast or hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. You've got to hold on all the way to the end. You've got to stay in the place of safety until the danger passes. And when does the danger pass? When our Lord comes to this earth again. Now salvation, this is just about over, comes when you and I are willing to listen to God. As I read through the Bible and I see other examples of danger and the need for safety, I think about Paul as he's on his way to Rome 
And as they had come to the island of Crete, and Paul says, guys, don't leave, don't leave. There's going to be a storm coming. You don't need to go. The owner of the ship and the helmsman said, yeah, we can make it, we can make it. This is not a good place to winter, so let's, let's get on the ship. Let's go further. And a strong wind called a Eurycliden blows up. And Luke gives a very vivid picture of what goes on. He says, now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days... And no small tempest beat up on us. All hope that we would saved, be saved was finally given up. We're going to die. But after a long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not sail from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Now I urge you, take to heart, there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Verse 44, And it was so that they all escaped safely to land. Paul said, You should have listened to me to start with. But now we are where we're at. God says, I'm still going to take care of those who are with you. And he did. We need to listen to God. We need to listen about the danger that's in this world spiritually. And we need to find the safe place. And the place of safety this morning is in the Lord's church. Now let me ask you a question. Are you a Christian? Are you in the Lord's church? If you're not, listen carefully. You're lost. You're in danger. But you can take care of that. You can believe that Jesus is the Christ... John 8, verse 24. You can repent of the sins that you have committed. Luke 13, verse 3, verse 5. You can confess with your mouth that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, Matthew 10, 32, 33. And you can be baptized for the remission of your sins, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And the Lord will add you to His church, Acts 2, verse 47, and you are in a place of safety. You remain there. You could be saved. If you don't remain there, you walk away. You say, I'm no longer interested. You've left the city of refuge. You've left the house with the blood on it. You know, I've wondered what if a guy decided he was going to go out that door and then realizes, you know what, if I walk out this door, my child's going to die. Death of the firstborn. What if Noah had said, or maybe let's say Shem decides, I'm going to go outside of this ark 
No safety outside that ark. You need to respond this morning. Please come while we stand and sing.